Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning, Journey. Like my dad just said, I'm Lindsay, and maybe you've seen me on stage singing with you all, or maybe you've seen me and JSM communicating as well. But um, I am so excited. I'm so thankful that we get the opportunity to still gather together, though we are separated. But let me also say I am so excited to see your faces next week. Um, it's been weird filming these videos um, for you all so that we can still gather together and sur- surround ourselves around God's word. But I can't wait to see each one of you next week. Um, hopefully in person as we gather together outside. Um, But today we're going to continue in our series from the Mount. We're actually going to, this is the last installment of part one, and in the fall we'll pick up and finish the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. But today we're going to be looking at prayer, and we're going to be looking at, just like what the video said, where it said that Jesus explains the heart behind the law. Jesus, he went through as he was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he was explaining the why of things, not just the how of things. He was communicating to us why God longs for us to do the things he calls us to do. And that's what we're going to see today as we look at prayer, about what Jesus teaches us about prayer. He's going to teach us the why of prayer, not just the how of prayer. And I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that what we just did a second ago is we prayed blessings upon our families, upon our community. There's power in that that it works, that prayer can actually change things. And I don't want us to miss out on what God has for us when we don't pray. I don't want you as an individual, as a family, to miss out on the blessings that we could receive if we did not know who God was. I don't want us as a faith community to miss out on what God, how God wants to use us if we miss out on hearing from him in prayer. So I believe that there's great power in prayer. And it's something that we shouldn't skip over. It's not a discipline that we shouldn't practice. It's something that a rhythm that we should follow. And so, because it helps us know more about ourselves. It helps us to know more about God. It helps us to love God more. It helps us to be obedient to him more and to trust in him more. And I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that I only want to do if I know I'm going to be good at it. A lot of games I only want to play if I know I'm going to win. There's a lot of things I only want to do if I know I'm not going to make a fool of myself. But let me encourage you. Let me explain something to you. Prayer, you're, you're going to get prayer wrong. We sometimes all get prayer wrong. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. But we shouldn't be stunned by it. We shouldn't feel like there's this great pressure upon us to do the right thing, to say the right thing in prayer. Jesus teaches us in his words, we're just going to uncover in a second, that the pressure of prayer is off. Jesus encourages us in prayer and he teaches us how to do it right. And he reminds us that even if we don't do it right, he still meets us with grace. So let's jump right in. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And this is what Jesus teaches. And he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So one of the first truths that we can pull from what Jesus is teaching about prayer in this section is that prayer is just a conversation. Prayer isn't a performance. It's not something that we have to do right. It's not something that we have to try to do for others. But it is a conversation that we get to have with our loving Father. And in this verse, in these verses, we see where Jesus is both teaching his people and he's also warning some of the people that are doing things wrong. First, Jesus was calling out some of the people that were doing things for attention. Just like we saw last week, where there are a lot of people that like to give to the needy just for attention. Jesus is correcting and warning these same people, saying, quit doing stuff for attention. Just like you try to give for attention, stop trying to pray and perform for attention because that's all the attention you're going to get. And what Jesus is talking about, where he's talking about going to the temple or, or standing on the street corners, he's explaining Back in those days, a lot of these cities were built around the temple. The temple was the heart of the city. And so the markets and everything else that had to do with the city, the hustle and bustle of life was surrounding this temple. And so there were many people, many of these people that Jesus are talking to and correcting, they would wait for the busiest time of day to go to the temple to pray. They were waiting for the, the most amount of people to be out on the streets and in the markets so that the most amount of people could watch them head into the temple to go and pray. And what Jesus is saying is stop waiting for that. Stop waiting for the perfect time when you have everything together. Stop waiting for the perfect time when the most people can see you. He said, instead, I want you to do the exact opposite of that. Instead of going to the temple to pray and waiting for as many people to see you, I want you to go into your room in the secret place where it's quiet, where no one knows what you're doing, where no one can hear you, where no one can see you. And that's where I want you to meet with me. And don't get me wrong, Jesus isn't saying that praying in public is not good. Corporate prayer is so good. It unifies the church. But what Jesus was saying, he was correcting these people and saying, you are doing so many things for show and I just want you. And I just want you to want me. I want you to want me instead of the attention that you get from man. Jesus is saying it's not performance. Prayer is not performance. It's just a conversation. I used to gloss over these instructions. Jesus gave us about prayer right here. And I used to rush down to the Lord's prayer that probably many of us have had memorized and know about. But I think these verses, this passage before we get to the Lord's Prayer teaches us so much. And I don't want us to miss the intention behind these few verses. That like I said, they teach us the why of prayer, not just the how of prayer. That we see that Jesus is longing for us, not for our perfection, but just for our participation. Just for our relationship with him. And we see that again as Jesus warns again in verse 7. And he says to these same people, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And again, I think context is important here for us to understand what he's saying about these empty phrases that the Gentiles would heap up. And what he's talking about is back in these days, a lot of the people that practice witchcraft 
they would babble to their gods. And it mattered more the rhythm that they used or the cadence that they used instead of what they were saying. It mattered more that they said something perfectly than what they said. It mattered more to their gods that they were giving a performance instead of just trying to meet with them. And what Jesus is saying here is he says, that is the opposite of what I want you to do. I care way more about your intention, about your heart, about your trust and your faith in me and your dependence on me than I do if you're doing something perfect. Jesus is calling us to draw nearer to him as imperfect as we are because he longs for us to be with him. He knows what we need and he longs for us to trust him to provide everything that we need. Prayer was a performance for these Gentiles as they tried to do what their God longed for them to do. And Jesus is just reminding us again that prayer is just a conversation. The pressure of prayer is off. The other thing that I think gets me about this verse is Jesus, he doesn't just say to not do things perfectly, but he reminds us if you do mess up, he already knows what we need. If we mess up, if we say the wrong thing, it's not going to ruin our lives forever. Our loving father knows what we need before we even ask of him. And so we can trust in him in that way. We can have intimate and honest conversations with him in prayer because we know that he already knows what we need. I think it's important that we realize that Jesus right here is teaching us the why. So before we ask him of anything else, we can trust him and know that he longs for just us. He doesn't long for us to have everything perfect. He just longs for us to put our trust in him. And it's a beautiful truth that we can rest in, that he knows everything we need before we even ask. But I know that can be frustrating as well. This truth, this promise that our father knows what we need before we even ask can be one of the most frustrating promises that we can hold on to. Because I'm sure there are many of you just like me that have gone through things and you've thought to yourself, God knows what I need, but he's not giving it to me. And you've probably wondered over and over again, why? Why is he doing that? If he knows what I need before I even ask, why is he not giving it to me? Maybe your marriage is struggling. It's not healthy right now. And you're thinking God knows what we need to heal our marriage, but he hasn't given it to me. Or maybe you feel lonely and you're struggling to surround yourself with people that lift you up. And you're thinking to yourself, God knows the people I need around me but he's not providing them for you. Or maybe you or someone you know needs healing. And you know, and you're thinking, God knows what I need, but he still hasn't given it to me. And I know that that's so frustrating, but the thing that we must hold on to, and I know it's not the perfect answer and it's not an easy answer, but the thing we must hold on to is God is better at being God than we are. And prayer turns us to focus on that truth. Prayer turns us to focus on the truth and the fact that God is better at being God than we are. That's why we can pray to him and trust 
that he knows what we need before we even ask of him. And we can also trust that when he gives it to us, it's in his perfect timing because he is better at being God than we are. One of the ways that I learned this, this idea of God knowing what I need before I even ask of him was something that happened between me and my dad. About five years ago, um, I started, began this battle with anxiety and it just came on all of a sudden and it felt like every day I was in this battle between peace and anxiety. And over and over again, it just, it ruled my days. And it became all I thought about. My mind would just race. And I still try to trudge on. I still try to carry on in life, but I was so ready to give up. And a lot of it had to do with school and college as I started classes. So every morning, my parents would make sure that they were home to say goodbye to me in the mornings before I headed to class. Every morning they would give me a hug, they would remind me that they loved me, and then they would make sure I got out of the driveway safe. And there was one day, it was just a hard day, and I felt like that morning, it was worse than ever before. And so I quickly ran past my mom, said goodbye to her, and then I tried to run past my dad as he was out in the garage, messing with his boat as he always is. And he chased me down the driveway as I tried to escape from him. And he stopped me at his car and he gave me a hug. And he knew, just somehow knew that that day was hard. So he gave me a compass. It was a compass that my grandfather gave to him before he passed. And he told me that my granddad explained to him as he's hunting in the woods, that if he ever gets lost, to remember to just head in a straight line. If you ever get lost in the woods, look north. If you walk straight for long enough, you will find your way out. Don't wander. Don't change your course. And he said in the same way to my dad, when you get lost in life, when you feel overwhelmed, when you lose your way, look north. Look to God. Center your eyes. Set your focus on him and you will find your way out. And my dad gave me that compass that day to carry around And he said the same thing to me. He said, Lindsay, when your thoughts are racing, when they are running wild, when your mind can't seem to settle, look north. Set your mind on one thing. Set your mind on the promises of God, on the truth of God that will never change. Set your focus on that and you will find a way out. And this makes me think about how I did not say anything to my dad. He had no clue what was going on that morning, but somehow he knew that I needed to hear that. He knew what I needed before I even asked. And I know that he knew what to do in that moment because he knows me, because he loves me, because I am loved by him. And that is how our heavenly father cares for us. He knows what we need before we even ask him to. He is able and ready and willing to provide for us when we look to him for help, when we slow down and when we let him do what he needs to do. My dad knew what I needed and I knew to trust in him because I was close to him in the same way. Our father knows what we need and we can can trust him when we are close and near to him. The closer that we get to God, the more we can trust him. 
And this is the next thing that we can see is that prayer is a tool. Prayer is a conversation that lets us know more, that helps us to see more about God. And prayer is a tool that we can use again to know more about God, to be more like God. We can see this as we read through these next verses in verse nine, where Jesus says, pray like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we could spend forever, a whole series unpacking this prayer. But I think what we should really focus on, and I think if we understand the first two words of this prayer, everything else becomes more alive, it becomes more true, it can change us even more. Jesus starts off the prayer with simply, our Father. And this may not seem like much to us, but to the Jews that were listening to this message, as Jesus was standing on this mountainside, as he was preaching this great message to all of these people, as Jesus said to pray like this, our Father, the ears of the Jews perked up because they did not know God as their father. The Jews that knew all of the truth of the Old Testament, they knew that God was Jehovah Jireh. They knew that he was the God who sees. They knew all of these things, but they had yet to hear that God was father. And in this moment, Jesus was inviting these people into the most intimate relationship they had ever experienced before then. It was a huge deal that Jesus told these disciples, these listeners, these Jewish students that were listening to him. It was the first time that God's people were were offered an invitation to something more intimate than they had ever experienced before in church. This is our invitation as well. We have this same invitation to experience a closeness to God as our father. The invitation to know God as father is ours. The invitation to know God, to know the God that knows all that we need before we even ask anything of him is ours. That father that is in heaven is good and he is ours. And the more that we pray, the more that we know more about him, the closer we can get to him, the more we can trust in him. The more we know that he is good, the more we can believe in good things that are to come when we pray for his will to be done. The more that we see that he is faithful, the more we can trust and believe that he's provider, that he will give us everything we will ever need. So we can experience the fact that God is not just ruler and controller of our lives. He is in love with our lives. He is the giver of life. He is the fulfiller of of our lives. So when we come to know God personally as our father, we can then move to trust his will, which moves us on to verse 10 in the rest of the Lord's prayer. When we know God as our father, we can trust that his will is good. When we know God as our father, we can trust that he will provide us our daily bread. When we know that God is our father, we can see that he has sent his done to die son to die for our forgiveness. When we know God as our father, we can trust him as our protector 
and our deliverer from temptation and evil. The closer we get to God, the more that we pray, the more that we can trust in him. Timothy Keller explains it like this. He's an author and pastor, and he explains that prayer reorders our loves, that it rearranges our priorities. It changes what we ask for. It changes what we long for. It changes how we see everything in our world. Prayer reorders our loves. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, once you love me as your father, you will love my will. You will love my ways. You will see that I love you. And I sent my son as, a, as an example of my love for you and all of these different things. So the more we pray, the more we can know God. And then this is the last thing, is that prayer is a practice. And it's a practice that we have to choose to do intentionally. If we want to be more like Jesus, we have to pray more. If we want to know more of God, we have to pray more. That's what Jesus is teaching. The more that we pray, the more we become like him, the more we focus our attention onto God, the more that we seek for his will to be done, the more that we trust him as our provider and all of these things. And so prayer is a practice and it takes practice. Our heavenly father is longing for our participation, not our perfection. And that's why prayer is a practice because we don't have to have it all right. And that's the bottom line. That's what I hope that we can walk away from this with is that our heavenly father is longing for our participation, not our perfection. He just longs for more of us just as we are. When I think about how prayer is a practice and how simple it can be, I think about how um, there's this story in the Old Testament of this king named King Jehoshaphat. And this story teaches us how prayer is so powerful and that we should practice prayer even when it doesn't make sense. King Jehoshaphat, he shows in this story that because he knew God, he could trust in God's promises. Because he met with God, he was after God's heart. He could trust in what God told them. And this is the story. It starts in Second Chronicles 20. And King Jehoshaphat was the king of the land of Judah. And they had um, come into this war. And King Jehoshaphat found out that there were multiple armies, multiple enemies coming against this nation. So at this time, it was three against one. And Jehoshaphat was overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden, this man came, um, this man came up and spoke to the land of Judah and Jehoshaphat. And the Lord sp- spoke through this man. And he speaks to Jehoshaphat. And he says this, starting in verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be disfrayed, dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm 
Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And King Jehoshaphat, he responded to what the Lord was saying through this man. And so it says in verse 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord and the Levites and the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. And this is what happens after they prayed, after they trusted in God, it says in verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were rooted for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Can you imagine this? In this moment, as King Jehoshaphat, the leader of Judah, as he is called to protect and lead this nation, he sees three enemies coming up against him as he's standing on this mountainside. And this man comes up to him and he says, don't worry, don't be afraid. This isn't your battle, the victory will come. And King Jehoshaphat had every reason to rally the troops. There was no way in human power that Judah was going to stand firm in this battle. There was no way that they were going to win against the armies of three different nations coming against them. But what King Jehoshaphat did is he didn't turn around to his army and say, get ready, pick up your swords, put on your shield and your, ar and your armor. Instead, it says in verse 18, that King Jehoshaphat, he got down on his knees. And it doesn't just say this, it says that he put his head to the ground. And as he put his head to the ground, he couldn't see the armies that were coming up against him. All he could think about was the God that promised him victory. The God that called him to trust in him. In this moment, as he practiced prayer, in the most crazy circumstances, in the most overwhelming thing he's probably ever faced in his life, he chose to practice prayer even when it didn't make sense. He chose to remind himself of who God is. He chose to draw closer to him when it didn't make sense. So we can see the power of prayer in this, that as we draw close to God, things change. As we come to know God more, as we are drawn to be more obedient to him, we will see blessings. As we hear his voice and move as he calls us to move, we can see mighty moves of God in our family, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, in our church. But we just have to start. We have to believe in the power of prayer just as King Jehoshaphat did. We must practice prayer when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't feel right, when we don't have the perfect words to say. So for these next few moments, we're gonna do that. 
put into practice what we've learned. That prayer is not a performance. It is something that helps us draw near to God. And families, I want to challenge you in this moment. As we get to watch church together, as we get to be the church together, as we get to gather together in our homes with our spouses and our friends and our families with us. I want to challenge you to pray together. Husbands and fathers, I'm challenging you to go first, to set an example in your family, to show your children that it is okay that you don't have everything perfect, to show your wife that it is okay that not everything is perfect. Go first. Maybe this is the first time you've ever prayed over your children before, that they can hear you, or the first time that you've prayed over your wife before. Do it, go first, put it into practice. Remember that God longs for your participation, not your perfection. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can meet with you. That you long for us to draw near to you. And that you have given us a way to hear from you. You've given us a way for us to bring our hearts and our needs and our wants to you. And we are thankful that you are our Father that you are not just creator of all things and Lord of the heavens and the earth, but you are our father and you love us and you know us. And we thank you for every way that you provide for us. We trust in you. We trust that you will do good things as we seek you. And we trust that you are our protector, that you will deliver us from evil and temptation. And so in this moment, God, I pray that you would light a fire in us, that you would give us a passion for prayer like never before. And Lord, that as we pray, as we seek your face, as we ask and devote ourselves to your will to be done, that we would see mighty moves of God in our families, in our lives, in our church, in our community, that we would draw closer and closer to you, that we would trust you more and more. And God, as families are praying together in this moment, I pray that you would bring them closer together, that they would honor you, that their household would honor you. Thank you for who you are, for all that you've done, and that we can meet with you. Let me pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help talking about your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.